the Internet's only all-business and financial radio network, Voice America Business. Good morning, and thank you for joining host Cheryl Esposito for an intriguing hour of Leading Conversations. Each week, Cheryl brings together big thinkers to the Voice America Business Channel. Now here's your host, Cheryl Esposito. Well, good morning, everyone, and welcome to Leading Conversations this morning. This is Cheryl Esposito. It's a great day to have you here. We have a very special guest with us once again, John P. Milton, who's founder of The Way of Nature and Sacred Passage an author of many, many publications and books, his most recent being Sky Above, Earth Below, Spiritual Practice in Nature. John's also released a great uh, instructional DVD series on Qigong, Qigong for Long Life. It's a four-DVD set, and it's absolutely beautifully done. John, welcome to the show. Thank you, Cheryl. So glad to have you here. Now, John, we were very honored that um, a year ago when we began Leading Conversations, you were our very first guest, and um, that really got us off to a great start. People were all excited and tuned in, and um, that show has been replayed several times and downloaded a whole lot. People love that show, and they love you, so thank you for being back with us again. Well, it's great to be great to be here. So where are you this morning? I'm in uh, downtown Tucson, Arizona, and getting ready to head up to Crestone, Colorado, where I'll be for the probably the next five months. Oh wow! So, in let's see, it's um, springtime in Arizona. Is the desert in bloom? Uh, we actually had our bloom back in March, but oh. now we're entering into the ninety-degree temperatures, heading towards uh, the one hundred and twenties. Oh boy! Well, then the mountains of Crestone, Colorado, or would be a good place to go. <laughs> you would stay nice and cool, right? Yes, it's um, a very cool place. Yeah, absolutely. So, John, today we've titled the show The Way of Leadership, and we are, um, you know, the, you've worked with leaders throughout the world, throughout your life, and a lot of the work you do is about bringing an individual in touch with themselves, in touch with source, so that they can then um, move in the world in a way that has ease and grace and power. Um, and so I want to talk today a little bit about how you do that with people and why that matters. You have dedicated your life to um, making the earth a better place to be. You know, well, actually, no, let's, 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 let's change that because the earth is just fine, isn't it? <laughs> it's really not making the earth a better place to be. It's helping us as human beings understand how to to engage with the earth in a sacred way. Yeah, um, and then be in, in harmony with the earth uh, <clears throat> at every level from very pragmatic um, physical and ecological and environmental levels to uh, the deepest spiritual and cultural mm-hmm. levels of, of awareness and perception. Mm-hmm. Now, I know you've told this story before, but why do you, what got you interested in doing this kind of work? I think the, the real genesis of it, uh, as I may have mentioned before to you, is the, uh, the <clears throat> work I did as a, as a young man, really still in my teens, in taking people out into the wilderness that were originally uh, friends of mine that, uh, 
used to spend a little time with in the in the forests and the and the coastlines and the swamps of New Jersey and the mountains of New Hampshire. And they got interested in the fact that I was going out and doing solo time and vision quest in the mountains. And uh, the first one or two people asked to join me because they wanted to see what it was like. And it was extraordinarily powerful for them. And uh, that led to, they, of course, passed the word along to some of their friends. And uh, before I knew it, I had about a dozen... uh, dozen young young men and women who had gone through it and continued to do it on a regular basis with me as a teenager. Oh, wow. And that's really how it all began. And not to be telling your age, but that was a little bit of a time ago. That was a little <laughs> while back. I, yeah, a little while ago. <laughs> the first vision quest of mine was in 1945, and then I uh, <clears throat> started taking other people out, the other teenagers in the uh, early 50s. Well, you know, I, the work that you do, a lot of it um, involves Qigong and Tai Chi, which, of course, are um, movement um, practices that really keep the body strong and vital. And when I look at you, and you know, you're you are 70 years old, and you are in incredible shape, and your mind is as sharp as a tack. And I look at you, and I think, you know, maybe there's something to this. <laughs> Maybe I should be doing more Qigong and Tai Chi. <laughs> uh, you should see me after this sedentary winter. <laughs> oh, well, no, no. I, I know that um, um, what you teach, um, in turn, let's talk a little bit about that, the Tai Chi and Qigong, and, and what makes it powerful, and how does something like Tai Chi and Qigong help people get more connected to source creativity? <clears throat> well, I, in my own case, I was drawn to it because I had done quite a few years of, of uh, Zen Buddhist meditation practice, starting in the uh, in the in the mid fifties. In fact, Alan Watts, who you may have heard of, mm-hmm. was an early teacher of mine, and kind of helped get me started with that. And so the the zazen and the Zen practice was a very powerful way to go out on the vision quest to go out on the sacred passages and then to bring that <clears throat> meditative practice into into nature and have it be a way to to bond much more deeply with nature and also to realize that innate union between inner nature and outer nature. But when I was, uh, I'd moved to Washington in the, uh, it was around the mid-50s or mid-60s. I was very much involved in trying to help the environmental movement uh, become Burst. And I ran across a man who demonstrated a Tai Chi form for me, a, a Chinese man that had, was, had come over, uh, I think, with one of the embassies. And I was absolutely um, uh, amazed at, at the experience of just watching this man demonstrate the form. And I realized that this was a way to carry that very profound uh, connection of inner nature and outer nature into a process of movement and a way of union with the essence of yourself, and a way of union, of course, with all of the elements and with the body of nature herself uh, through movement as a, as a way of communion. So I, this was probably around 67 or 68, and at that point I began going quite deep into the study of Taoism and began the study of Tai Chi, and uh, of course been diligently pursuing that ever since. 
I've found it to be uh, an extraordinary complement to sitting meditation practice. Tai Chi is really a moving meditation, and it gives you the capacity to bring the meditative process into direct uh, application and activity. Hmm. A big challenge for many of us is we go and sit on the cushion or have a nice quiet time sitting in a, in a tranquil spot where we, we can really tune into ourselves and, and go deep. But then we get up off the cushion, we go back out into the world, and we immediately begin getting distracted and contracted again. Mm-hmm. What Tai Chi does is to give you the capacity to bring that very profound uh, meditative state out into the world of action, out into the world of activity. Mm-hmm. And in fact, it's such a, a powerful method for doing that that it even has been applied in China as one of their most profound martial arts. And, of course, the secret of Tai Chi as a martial art is that you really need to be functioning at a level of, of pure source. Otherwise, it doesn't, it doesn't work. So it's, um, it's a really profound way to bring the meditative, meditative state and the creativity that arises out of that meditative state into dynamic activity, which I think for Americans and Westerners in general is a uh, tremendous need in these days. Right, right. <clears throat> well, now, Another, oh, sorry. Describe pure source. Not everybody is clear about what that is. When I talk about source, I basically talk about the level of pure, formless, uh, primordial awareness which underlies all experiences of form and uh, actually underlies all experiences of form and formlessness. It's the state out of which all thoughts arise and back into which they dissolve, the state out of which all emotions come and back to where they go. It's the level at which perceptions, uh, it's really the field within which perceptions can operate. Mm. So even all of our perceptions of sight, sound, taste, smell, and touch function within that that vaster field of, of absolutely pure, crystal clear mm. awareness. Mm. And of course, because it, it, its nature is to be absolutely clear, sky-like, mirror-like awareness, we, we can go through our lives without really being aware of that fundamental nature. Right. Because it doesn't contain any particular form, and yet it holds all form. Well, and that awareness is so key. When I think about... Um, just sometimes how I move through my day and I am focused in my head on the busyness, on the tasks at hand. And um, when I bring myself to awareness, I'm not simply in the doing mode. I'm in the being while I'm doing mode. And it's fascinating for me to be clear about how things change for me when I'm in my awareness mode, when I can just um, almost like be the observer of myself in wherever I am and be the observer of my space and how I'm connected to everything around me, things really change. And, you know, you've taught that for a lot of years, and as a longtime student of yours, um, I have learned how to sometimes do that better than other times. You know? <laughs> Still practice, practice, practice. But the, it truly is um, a shift that happens. And the energy 
changes, and thus my experience will change, and the people's experience around me will change. This is something that um, you teach people of, from all walks of life to do, people who are high-powered um, individuals in multinational corporations, people who are um, farmers who you know, cultivate the soil. Um, you, know, you, you work with people, it doesn't matter what their background is, and you say that they have profound experiences doing this. You know, what explains this? Well, before you answer that, <laughs> we're going to go to break. Okay. <laughs> when we come back, I'll give you two minutes to think about that, John. <laughs> we'll be right back. Talk about his money. Call us toll free 866-472-5790 and talk to the experts. We talk money all the time. Voice America Business. Leadership is not static. It evolves as you do. At Alexa Consulting, we work with CEOs, senior leaders, and leaders in transition who want to make a difference. Leaders who believe that good business is good for people, good for the world, and knows that conscious actions can have global impact. Are you ready to take your leadership to the next level? If you are, then visit our website at www.alexaconsulting.com. That's www.alexsaconsulting.com. Alexa Consulting, developing leaders worldwide. More and more business people recognize the importance of spirituality in their work. How do busy professionals discover what rings true for them? Embracing the journey with Karen Humphrey Salad explores what it means to be spiritually fulfilled in business and how to integrate spiritual direction into a career. Expert guests, authors, and inspiring speakers join Karen every week to discuss such issues as honesty, compassion, generosity, ethics, and integrity in the workplace. Take a positive step forward to greater life balance. Tune into Embracing the Journey with Karen Humphrey Salad, broadcasting every Friday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel, the bottom line in business talk. Money, money, up to date business and financial news. Money, money, call now and get the financial information you need. 866 472 5790. 472-5790 Voice America Business We appreciate you joining our leading conversations today. If you would like to participate in today's conversation, please call us now at 1-866-472-5790 That's 1-866-472-5790 Now back to your host, Cheryl Welcome back, everybody. This is Cheryl Esposito with Leading Conversations, and we have our guest, John P. Milton, and we're talking about the way of leadership today. John, before we went to break, um, we were talking about self-awareness and, you know, how one cultivates awareness and connection to source. And I know that people have had some pretty profound experiences um, as they have learned how to do that. How do you explain this? I think the, uh, in many ways, the process of connecting to the deepest level of, of ourselves 
is uh, sometimes made more mysterious than it actually is. Part of the mystery of it is that it's so simple and direct and omnipresent with us. I think that in itself is is uh, a bit of a paradox. But one of the most direct and powerful ways to begin to get a taste of this approach to connecting with source or connecting with your your fundamental self is to simply uh, sit down quietly in a quiet place where there are not a lot of distractions and contractions and just spend a little time uh, connecting with awareness in its pure sense, in its uh, original sense, awareness without any specific content, the, the field of cognition or, or of awareness which contains all the other form aspects of thoughts and emotions and perceptions. And um, sometimes it's helpful to go out into nature and work with parts of nature that, that are very supportive of that. Uh, one of our practices in the Way of Nature Fellowship and in Sacred Passages to simply go out and meditate on a clear blue sky mm. because that has that same quality of vast, clear, open, spacious, pure, pristine awareness. And uh, another very wonderful partner, as you know, is the ocean. Yes. And uh, the vastness of the ocean is, is immediately begins to to suggest to ourselves we can go deeper into a level that's a level of oceanic awareness. Mm. And then the the waves are, are more like the the movement of the perceptions and the thoughts and the emotions within that vast body of of the overall sea. Well it's, it's so so it basically uh it's not necessarily a very complicated thing. Mm. It's actually a very simple, direct thing, and uh, I think it's important people, for people to to realize that and and not to feel that um, this is too high level a kind of mm. practice for them to mm. become involved with, or it's you have to have spent uh, many lifetimes of practice in order to right. achieve a level where you can you can realize this. It's actually available to you, to you in, in this very moment. Well, and I, I think that that is so key because um, for my, I know that for myself, um, having been a student of yours for years and practiced um, over and over again to try to get this right, quote-unquote, um, which, of course, you tell me is not what it's about. <laughs> it's not about getting it right. And um, But, but I, what I notice is that it's so much easier for me now to remember that I can simply access it if I'm in a you know kind of high stress or very um, high level of action period, and I need to really focus. I just have to bring myself there. I don't have to go and sit out on that rock. I don't have to go and, and spend a week in nature in order to utilize what I've cultivated. You know, I can be right in the middle of the city, and and I can. Um, just call it up for myself and center and ground, and I feel different. And then when that happens, everything is easier. Yeah. And I know that um, when you talk about helping people getting in touch with their purpose and their passion, whether they're leaders um, in their own right or um, you know working on big, large-scale earth issues, you help people to learn how to cultivate that for themselves. Now, you have had some experiences um, with nature. You have a story about the whales in Baja 
Love. It's one of my favorites. Mm. Um, about how, you know, they really connect. When you are in that space of being connected to the earth, in that energy, how nature responds. Can you tell that little story about the whales? Sure. <clears throat> I. This goes back to probably a, a period in the uh, in the late 80s or early 90s, as I recall. But I had uh, I actually had a group of people doing a sacred passage with me down there, and um, normally we spent about 12 days going through this this wonderful process of training, awareness training, and solo. And we're in the midst of the awareness training part. And I wanted to take a, a little time for myself, so I walked down this beautiful beach near the small town of Todos Santos to take a little break. And the beach there is very steeply sloping, means that it can it drops right down uh, into the ocean, literally from where the water touches the edge of the, of the beach. And... Um, and because it drops off so steeply, the, the shelf there, the continental shelf, the whales can come in and, and the dolphins and, and other beings from the ocean come in very, very close because the waves don't actually form and break until they're almost on the beach. Mm. So it's, uh, it's quite an unusual type of spot from that standpoint. So I was, um, I had made myself a little meditation, uh, spot by moving the sand around and into a nice chair, and I sat down, crossed my legs, and uh, and then just gazed out into the into the vastness of the, the union of the sky and the ocean. Mm-hmm. I was actually doing that practice I talked about before of, of using the sky and the ocean to be inspirations to connect with inner source mm-hmm. or fundamental source. And as I did this, I, I uh, closed my eyes, which I don't normally do, but there was... Some sun setting in the um, in the west, so I closed my eyes just to protect them a little bit, and uh, went deeper and deeper and deeper. And this time, I noticed that there were just incredible waves of bliss and joy flowing through me. It was almost like a a, uh, a series of uh, oceanic type waves of <clears throat> of joy and bliss, and they became more and more and more powerful. And they were just completely overwhelming. Hmm. And at that point, I opened my eyes because this had probably been going on for 15 or 20 minutes. And I opened my eyes and maybe 50 yards away, <clears throat> right where the waves began to form before crashing on the beach, was a, uh, a large pod of whales, hmm. including some young ones and, and some older ones, with their heads straight up out of the sea, Posture that is often called spy hopping. Right. But they were just resting there with their their heads straight up out of the ocean, completely still, completely tranquil, with their heads turned so their eye could look directly. One of their eyes could look mm-hmm. directly at me. And uh, it was clear they'd been hanging there in the in the that oceanic uh, space and uh, and connecting with me. Mm-hmm. And I could almost see the waves of energy transmitting between myself and them and them and myself. And each time I, I visually saw another wave of energy, I could feel an intensification of the bliss and the joy. It was a very, very, very powerful uh, sharing at the level of essence between myself and the whales that uh, I probably went on for a good hour, all told. 
and uh, completely shifted my view of uh, both what whales are capable of, but also the tremendous gifts that whales and other species actually can bring us if we go very, very deep into that level where we and all the rest of life are one, that level of pure awareness. I had the experience with the whales um, several times that when I've been in Baja doing sacred passage, but this last um, February I was down there and the sheer numbers of the whales that were there this year were huge. And Amazing, wasn't it? Oh, it was beautiful, and you're right about how close they come into shore there because of how the um, the shelf drops off. And my experience with them was that um, literally there was communication going on there, and I was so struck with um, how I could I could almost call them in. And I would think to myself, oh, yeah, well, sure, I'm making that up. But it truly would be things like, I wonder, you know, what they would say if I asked them a question about, you know, whatever it was I was thinking about. And one would show up. I'd be like, okay. (laughs) So so the opportunity to sit there and then trust that there's something happening there. The energy is powerful. And then let stir in myself what needs to stir or what creative juices need to come up or what thoughts need to arise and let that be there. And, um, you know, it's it's fascinating because it can be very powerful. Yeah. Now, you have um, spent a lot of time working on the issue of sacred land. And I know that you see the coast of Baja as um, one of the places on the earth that is highly sacred. And you are working to save some specific sacred lands. But what defines a sacred land? What makes a land sacred? I think really when when we talk about the earth is sacred or sacred sites or sacred places, the real um, fundamental quality we're talking about is a place that naturally brings us into deep communion with... uh, Great spirit, the, the, the sacred view, the uh, the level at which we and uh, and the great mystery are one. Uh, I think that it's probably true that the earth itself is probably the greatest sacred place of all. Mm-hmm. At least this planet in itself is is the one most accessible to us as a whole entire being. Uh, the word that the Greeks came up with for from Mother Earth, from Mother Earth Goddess, was Gaia. And uh, an old friend of mine, Jim Lovelock, came up with that term and used it in a theory he came up with called the Gaia Hypothesis, which said that basically the Earth was alive. There was scientific evidence to show that. He then went on to actually uh, uh, bring in enough evidence, so now it's it's actually a full-fledged theory, the Gaia theory. But this idea that the Earth itself is sentient, alive, and in itself inherently sacred is, I think, the the most important thing to to realize when you're talking about the sacred mm-hmm. view. But there are parts of the earth, certain areas on the earth, where the ability to connect with our own essential nature, our own original nature, and also to see the inherent sacredness of nature itself, mm-hmm. outer nature, is very, very powerful. Very powerful. We have more to talk about with John Milton when we come right back. 
is money. Call us toll-free 866-472-5790 and talk to the experts. We talk money all the time. Voice America Business. Leadership is not static. It evolves as you do. At Alexa Consulting, we work with CEOs, senior leaders, and leaders in transition who want to make a difference. Leaders who believe that good business is good for people, good for the world, and knows that conscious actions can have global impact. Are you ready to take your leadership to the next level? If you are, then visit our website at www.alexaconsulting.com. That's www.alexaconsulting.com. Alexa Consulting, developing leaders worldwide. Hey, Dad. What? Can you get the ketchup bottle open? Here, let me try. Here you go. Thanks. You don't have to be a hero to be a hero. When you adopt a child from foster care, just being there makes all the difference. To learn more, call 1-888-200-4005. A public service announcement brought to you by Adopt U.S. Kids, the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, and the Ad Council. The economy and financial markets continue to expand in both their size and complexity. But being able to anticipate changes in the markets for housing, jobs, and financial assets remains a crucial ingredient to our financial well-being. On the economy and the markets, with economist, investment strategist, portfolio manager, and host, Doug Cliggett, utilizes his 25 years of experience with that of his highly informed guests to provide clear, reasoned explanations of current events. To navigate the markets that influence our lives every day of the week, tune into The Economy and the Market. With Doug Cliggett, broadcasting each Thursday at 1 p.m. Pacific, 4 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America Business Channel. The economy and the markets. Clear thoughts in a complex world. Stocks, bonds, 401ks, investments, refinancing. We can help you. Call now toll free 866-472-5790. 866-472-5790. Voice America Business. We appreciate you joining our leading conversations today. If you would like to participate in today's conversation, please call us now at 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. Now back to your host, Cheryl. And we're speaking with John Milton today and the founder of The Way of Nature and Sacred Passage. John, before we went to break, we started talking about sacred lands and sacred sites how the earth is alive. Let's talk some more about that and why that matters. Well, I think uh, <clears throat> one of the great things about these very special sacred areas like Baja, the coast of, of uh, the west coast of Baja there and the tip of the peninsula or the area of the Sangre de Cristo Mountains um, in and around the, uh, the town of Crestone. Uh, these happen to be another good example would be the Mount Shasta area in California. Uh, these are three areas that historically have been used for many thousands of years by native peoples to come and do vision quests, to do sacred ceremony, and to go very, very deep and renew their connection to, to great spirit, to re- renew the connection to the essence of themselves, to renew the, uh, you might say, the sacred view. 
One of the reasons that uh, these places are so important in these times is that we're so out of touch with both inner nature and outer nature. Because of the way our culture and society is these days, we're moving at very high speed for the most part. And our the tendency for most of us is to remain contracted and distracted for a lot of the time. These these very sacred places, combined with these extraordinarily powerful ways of meditation and both seated meditation and, and moving meditation, give you the capacity to go very, very deep into your original nature, where the speed slows down and the uh, distractedness, the contractedness begins to transform into a state of deep, deep uh, inner tranquility and peace. And as you go deeper still into into the, the gap between thoughts, into the into the uh, pure awareness level of, of being, that's the level which is the source of pure creativity. Pure creativity arises out of being able to go deep into that level where there literally are no specific thoughts or emotions or even perceptions. But um, it's that very pregnant field which is capable of birthing anything and everything. In fact, it it does birth everything. Hmm. So when we dive back into that, uh, we're able to access a very, very powerful form of creativity which is normally not so accessible to us. And so if we go with the support of a sacred place and the support of uh, practices which help us really take uh, take ourselves very, very deep in that sacred place to a level of our own uh, inner nature, which normally we're not in touch with, then we have the capacity to access these profound levels of creativity. And the other aspect of that that I think is important uh, is that when you do this in a, in a natural sacred area <clears throat> like Trestone, the the nature of the experience is such that you also experience a profound level of harmony and connection and uh, uh, union, natural union with nature itself. You, you really see yourself as part of nature, not separate from it. And I would, I would submit that in these times, one of the greatest challenges we face as a species is coming up with creative new uh, ideas and inspirations for how to bring ourselves and our cultures back into balance and harmony with nature. So if we go into these most sacred places in nature to and make a deep connection with source in those places, our capacity to come back out with um, some of the answers to how we create a sustainable society, those, those answers come much more clearly, much more directly, and in a very pure form. I sometimes feel that, that people who have gone into these very deep sacred passages or very long programs like our month-long or 44-day-long solos, when they come out, they receive what I've come to call the earth empowerment because their level of connection to the earth is so powerful. So they, in a sense, begin to tap into the inherent creativity of both themselves and also the creativity of the earth as a, as a sentient being. And the answers to how we bring our, ourselves and our culture back into harmony with the earth and with nature become very clear and very direct and very obvious. So for many reasons, I think the uh, we're entering a time where, paradoxically, one of the most ancient of all the uh, spiritual practices, the vision quest or the sacred passage, uh, probably one of the most ancient and original practices we have as a species uh, from 
spiritual standpoint. Uh, the paradox is that in these modern times, it's probably one of the most relevant and important practices we can do right now to bring ourselves back into balance and harmony with all of life. Well, you know, when I look at what's happening with, quote-unquote, the green movement, all of a sudden it's cool to be green, and, you know, green means change your light bulbs, and, um, <laughs> you know, which, of course, you know, I, I'm being facetious, but it's I, I feel like that how did we all of a sudden as a society decide, oh, oh, the Earth's important now, and, um, oh, we better do something about it, and yet I'm getting this feeling like, you know, because it's being marketed so strongly and every company in the world all of a sudden is proclaiming themselves as having green initiatives and, you know, it's really important. And um, I have to tell you I'm a little cynical about the whole movement. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I think about, you know, these problems are being addressed. People are sitting down trying to look at solutions. But it occurs to me that, you know, most of them are probably sitting around a conference table somewhere trying to figure out solutions and that your suggestion that perhaps they should go sit with the earth to let some of the solutions arise, you know, probably isn't being utilized very much. Exactly. And my, my, my own concern is that we, if all of these solutions are created out of the boardroom or the, uh, or the creative office, office building, uh, the kind of creativity may not be the sort of creativity that is truly earth-connected and truly sustainable. And uh, obviously, if we can come up with some of the these these new ideas for transforming our culture into a sustainable culture, as we're doing a vision quest at a very sacred site in the body of Mother Earth, the odds of it being a kind of creativity that goes very deep and has the capacity to really powerfully change ourselves and culture mm-hmm. is much more likely. Mm-hmm. Um, I've become a, a pretty strong advocate of, of doing this uh, for leaders in these times because I feel we we really only have a, a few years to help our, our societies and our culture shift in a uh, in a powerful way uh, to try to deal with some of the issues around global climate change, which are obviously very much with us now. Well, John, I know you're a scientist, and so you really understand what's happening. Um, and I don't want to dismiss that. You know, I don't want to say, well, you're you know, you're just a lover of the earth, but you you're truly a scientist. And so these whole the issues that are happening with climate change, you have a, a deep understanding of. Is it possible for us to affect this? I mean, can we really, as human beings on this planet, affect what's already happening with the climate change? I think a certain amount of climate change is is going is already underway and and will be continuing. Um, probably the biggest single issue that um, maybe two of the biggest biggest issues that we face right now is uh, global sea level rise. Which, uh, if we lose the Greenland shelf, it'll be twenty or thirty feet. If the um, Antarctic sheet goes, then we're talking about something in the order of two to three hundred feet of sea level rise. That's a fair amount of sea level rise, and of course, most of the world's cities would be flooded out by that. Um, But I think the uh, it goes way beyond that in terms of the impacts on oceans and the 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 delicate ecosystem balance of the oceans. Uh, We could find that uh, actually some of the biggest impacts we don't have a clue to yet. Uh, One of my my own personal big concerns is 
the weakening of the forests, the world's forests, through um, through climate change, because the trees can't walk away to another climate. They're adapted to particular climates that 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 overwhelm them. As it's it's they're they're caught in a wave of of temperature and rainfall shifts, which um, they can't really adapt to, and they can't move north or south physically. They can right. slowly, uh, as a species, migrate over right. many hundreds of thousands of years, but they can't physically move. So we may see immense uh, loss in forests, particularly in the temperate and northern zones. And likewise, we may see massive die-offs in the ocean mm-hmm. and its capacity to produce oxygen and absorb carbon dioxide. So I think those are the kinds of things which we haven't yet heard much about, which we'll be hearing a lot more about in addition to a much greater sea level rise than people realize right now is is, is likely. Well, and some but, people say <clears> that, you know, but doesn't this, isn't this the way of evolution? Doesn't this just happen naturally and isn't change happens and that's how we went from dinosaurs to people and that's right. You know, I mean, and so, so should we be trying to um, affect this or should we be just letting it happen? Well, I think we need to operate at a number of levels. Um, one of the things that I began trying to do back in the 70s was to encourage our culture to come up with a series of, um, you might say, stellar examples of ecologically sustainable communities, neighborhoods, households, watersheds, farms, and um, and towns. And the reason that we put a lot of emphasis on that in those days <clears throat> was to try to take the ecological principles that we developed uh, and translate them into practical, concrete examples that the rest of the culture could look at, learn from, and when the time was was there for change to, to happen, for transformation to occur in the broader culture, they would have a concrete example to move towards. And I think that that same uh, issue exists today. The, the that opportunity really to create those models was pretty much devastated by the Reagan Revolution. Uh, as you probably know, Ronald Reagan eliminated most of the uh, most of the solar energy and renewable energy uh, movement within within North American culture. But um, the need is still here. The fact that we've delayed it for 20 years has only made the need for really powerful examples or models ever more powerful. And I would say that in addition to that, of course we need to continue working at uh, global levels to to bring uh, sustainability and ecological principles into operation at every level from personal right on out to to broader national operation. Um, well, I, I want to talk to you more about this. Change. We're going to cut to break. We'll be right back. Talk about his money. Call us toll free 866-472-5790 and talk to the experts. We talk money all the time. Voice America Business. Leadership is not static. It evolves as you do. At Alexa Consulting, we work with CEOs, senior leaders, and leaders in transition who want to make a difference. Leaders who believe that good business is good for people, good for the world, and knows that conscious actions can have global impact. Are you ready to take your leadership to the next level? If you are, then visit our website at www.alexaconsulting.com. 
That's www.alexsaconsulting.com. Alexa Consulting, developing leaders worldwide. Why is Pepsi cooler than Coke? Why are iPods so popular? In 2005, how can you launch a successful brand? Want to know? Learn about the fascinating and intriguing world of graphic design and branding on Design Matters with Debbie Millman. Every Friday at 12 Pacific Standard Time, Debbie Millman will provide you with a provocative look into the stimulating world of design as it intersects with contemporary culture. Hear what the experts have to say about creating, maintaining, and launching a brand in today's challenging marketplace. Join us every Friday at 12 Pacific Standard Time for Design Matters with Debbie Millman. Right here on the bottom line in business talk, Voice America Business. We talk about his money. Call us toll free 866-472-5790 and talk to the experts. We talk money all the time. Voice America Business. We appreciate you joining our leading conversations today. If you would like to participate in today's conversation, please call us now at 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. Five seven nine zero. Now back to your host, Cheryl. Welcome back. We're speaking with John Milton today. John, before break, we were um, talking about you know, the big challenges that we all have as a society, and um, with our climate changes, and with caring for Mother Earth. Um, and you know, it's, I just realized that Mother's Day is coming up on Sunday, so how appropriate that we're having this yeah. conversation. The Great Mother, uh, Mother Earth, uh, takes care of all of us, right? Absolutely. Um, and so, you know, it can feel overwhelming sometimes. It can feel like the um, the problems or the challenges that exist can be so big. And what can I, as one person, do besides changing my light bulbs? Um, what can I do? <laughs> um, I, I, you know, I, I use that as a euphemism because it feels changing my light bulbs. Yes, it's important, and it feels trivial compared to what really we're doing to the earth. Um, but what can we do, you know, in terms of, of going deep, getting connected to the earth? You know, help us out with that. Well, I think uh, one good thing would be to spend a little time each week uh, going out into a natural place. For example, most of us <clears throat> have families, and uh, even in, a, in the busiest life, we, we all prize family time. But why not combine that very wonderful, valuable, special family time with going out with the family for a day once a week mm-hmm. to a beautiful natural place, mm-hmm. to a, you know, a park or a national park or a wildlife refuge or, or just a little beautiful pocket of nature that's in your neighborhood mm-hmm. and spend a little time together as a family just enjoying uh, being there and connecting with the, the earth and the plants and the birds and the flowers and and just feeling the earth under your feet. And uh, and then I, I often say to folks that do a sacred passage, um, if you can give, if you're married with, with uh, children, give each other uh, a little time alone as well. And maybe uh, uh, mom can go out and have uh, an hour or two going deep into a very special alone time in nature where she can, can disconnect from everything but her, her her deep connection to the essence of herself and the and the essence of nature and the earth, and then come back and maybe uh, uh, hand over to to dad and dad goes out and has an hour to to 
to do the same thing. So there's some family time and then there's some, a little bit of alone time for each parent to to have this very deep and special bond, rebonding with, with, with nature. That's a very simple thing that, that helps uh, build uh, and support the family. It supports your, your connection to the broader family of all of nature and all of life. And it's very nurturing to your essential nature, your own fundamental nature. And it helps bring it back into harmony with, with greater nature so that the decisions you make and the activities that you, you choose are much more likely to be in harmony with something that will create a sustainable society. Uh, that's one very simple thing that you can start out. And of course you can, you can learn some of the fundamental practices about how to meditate or how to do Tai Chi or Qigong or some of these other wonderful practices that that bond you with the essence of yourself and bond you deeply with uh, with Mother Nature and Mother Earth. You know, I know that um, being in nature is very healing, and um, we have we have a very dear friend named Pam, who is on a huge healing mission at the moment for herself, and I want to send her lots of healing energy. She just popped into my mind. I thought, hmm. She must be listening to us, yeah, yeah. and I know you know Pam, and um, so we want to send Pam and, and all the um, mothers of the world lots of healing energy today as we have our conversation. Um, you know, John, um, the, the idea that I as an individual or anybody else listening to us today um, can become... Um, more present to what's happening in the world simply by paying attention to the flowers or to the grass or to the trees. You know, it, you're, you're right. It sounds very simple, and I think that's a very important message because um, very often when I explain to people what I have done in terms of going out on sacred passage, spending seven days in the wilderness by myself, people go into this big overwhelm. They think, oh, my goodness, I couldn't do that. You know, it sounds scary. And, um, in fact, it's an incredibly powerful process. And each day, you know, just being in life, walking down the street, in the city of San Francisco where I live, you know, just walking across the street to a park, I can actually touch nature. And uh, I think that's an important part of this, you know, that you know, we can do something that we incorporate into our life all the time. It doesn't have to be a big event, right? That's right. And I think um, the, that that uh, sequence we talked about at the very beginning of the show of first learning how to go out into nature, become quiet, peaceful, just uh, have the develop the capacity to, to listen to nature, feel nature, see nature, touch nature, and listen to the essence of ourselves as that's going on. Uh, that's a wonderful way to, to begin. And then, of course, if you can take the next step, which is maybe to do a little bit of formal meditation practice, especially practices where you uh, meditate on absolutely pure awareness itself, on the one hand, and then have as a companion set of practices, spending a little time just meditating with each one of your perceptions, meditating with, let's say, the sight of a tree or a beautiful flower, and just resting in that experience of, of the vision of that beautiful flower or tree and just resting in that. And then doing the same thing with sound, just resting in the sound of the stream, uh, 
moving nearby or the sound of the air moving through the needles of a pine tree above you. Just resting in the pure experience of that sound and then go through all of the other perceptions the same way. The, the combination of that type of practice where you meditate with your perceptions, uh, alternating with meditating on absolutely clear awareness itself, takes you even deeper. And then you can go through a third step where you go out and you begin to do some very slow, spontaneous, natural movement. We call it Gaia Flow, the natural movement system I created some years ago. But it brings together a kind of spontaneous Tai Chi experience where you don't have to learn Tai Chi, but you just work with its principles. But you then can go out into nature and just do some very, very slow, spontaneous movement with nature, utilizing the experiences that you've developed with the first two levels of your, your practice. And that will take, take you deeper, deeper yet. And in this way, you can learn how to actually um, begin to bring the experience of communion with nature and, and deeper connection to the essence of yourself into more dynamic activity. And then that gives you the capacity to more easily bring that back into your, your everyday life, which, of course, is active, because you've, you've begun in nature to develop the capacity to actively stay in a state of deep meditative communion. So these are some simple things I would recommend to help people cultivate, let's say, a deeper connection with themselves and with nature that then lays the foundation for broader cultural transformation. It's beautiful. Well, John, you know, we, um, we're coming to the end of our show. Um, I want to mention that um, you and The Way of Nature are sponsoring a conference in Crestone, Colorado, on the Sacred Earth Conference, right, coming up at the yes. end of May, May 19th, I believe. And um, that, plan, that promises to be quite an extraordinary conference. And for people to learn more about that, I think I have the uh, website here. It's Sacred Earth Conference. .wordpress.com, sacredearthconference.wordpress.com, right? Yeah, it's a little different in that you don't have to put the www in. Okay. You just, just the HTTP okay. colon backslash backslash and then sacredearthconference.wordpress.com. Great. And uh, for people to know more about you and the way of nature, uh, wayofnature.com, where you can go and buy John's books and... Um, DVD series, uh, Qigong for Long Life. John, it's been a great time having you here today. Thanks again for being with us. We so appreciate you and the work you oh, do goodness. in the world, and you're making a huge difference. So we'll have to come, come back and see us again. Thank you, Cheryl. Remember, everybody, to think big. The world could be a better place because of a conversation that matters. This is Cheryl Esposito. Thank you for spending this hour with Cheryl Esposito and Leading Conversations. You can listen live every Friday at 10 a.m. Pacific Standard Time on the Voice America Business Channel. If you have a question or comment for Cheryl, please email her at leadingconversations at alexaconsulting.com. That's L-E-A-D-I-N-G-C-O-N-V-E-R-S-A-T-I-O-N-S at A-L-E-X-S-A-C-O-N-S-U-L-T-I-N-G.com. See you next week.